Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Fantastic. I'm glad I came to church today. How about you? Uh, it's been a good day already. I love Jesus. I love worship. Um, and I'm really thankful for a great house where we get to move the vision forward. Um, you know, it's interesting. And I'll give you a little bit of, up, of an update actually before I get started because so many of you have been praying for me, been praying for my family. And um, many of you guys know about, what, about a month and a half or two months ago, uh, my mom was in dire straits. We didn't know if she was going to make it. And so she gave us her last word, and we had a, a, a conference call with me and my sisters, and she was just kind of saying her goodbyes and being as grateful as she could for all that God had done, but uh, she didn't know if she was going home. And then I asked her a question, and I just said, Mom, well, what do you want? You're a woman of faith, and what do you, what are your, what's your desire? Do you want to finish your race? And you, I believe that when you go to those gates, God's going to say to you, well done, my good and faithful feisty servant because <laughs> she is a spit ball and uh but but she said i want to go home and when she said home she didn't mean home home she meant home home like i home so we believe god and we had great prayer and her faith i believe and the prayers of the saints availed much and she is at home amen amen so so I had a chance to visit her, and there's something different than when you just go or when you're sent. And so you all sent me. The church sent me. You blessed me. You covered me. And I felt like I was not just there to see her and to eat ribs and greens and, and, and all the list of stuff that we really did thoroughly enjoy. Um, but I knew that I was there on mission. I was on an assignment. And so there's a lot of stuff that I'm so grateful because she, in watching her, and I just want to say we had some really, really, we had some precious moments together. And it was just a great time um, where I just got a chance to just kind of dig into a little bit of her history. And uh, again, she's 82 years old, going to be 83 soon. And she's dealing with some other health issues and some other things that we're going to have to really fight through and just believe God for. But I had some I had some precious moments that reminded me that we are who we are. There's a reason why we are who we are. I say that? That you didn't just arbitrarily become who you are. Your personality, the way you think, the way you believe, the way you carry yourself, some of your mentality, some of the ways that you think behind uh, some of the ideals that you're living out, that stuff didn't just happen in a vacuum or in a vortex. Those things were somehow implanted, imparted to you. And so in watching her, I got a chance to look at myself in some ways in a mirror because she's like literally almost my spitting image. She got a hair of white woolen hair. And she, you know, I, I laugh with her because she's got a really good sense of humor. I said, Mom, you look like some of them, you look like some of them uh, uh, Tyler Perry characters, right? 
<laughs> she was old and, and just all just all just beautifully old, just wrinkly, missing teeth on the side. I mean, she just don't care. So I said, Mama, you like, yeah, you're the Tyler Perry character. And she just laughed and loved it. But she told me stories and reminded me of where I came from and stuff that she had to go through to become who she became. And it's interesting because we're in a time where we think we got it hard. <laughs> Right? Some of our first world problems. The internet's not working today. My team came up to me this morning. I didn't throw them on blast, but the team came up and said, hey, the smoker's not working. All right, well, the smoker's not working. No big deal. First world problems. Right? Did Jesus come into the room without the smoker? <laughs> Thank God for the fog machine. Hey, give it up for our tech crew because they are amazing. And we appreciate every single thing that they do. But the Holy Spirit came in the room today. So I'm listening to this lady tell me about basically talking about literally like picking cotton in somebody else's yard and having her dad come and take all the money and give it to somebody else. And then I'm listening to her remind me that the house that I grew up in, that all I knew was my friends across the street and enjoying my time together, I didn't realize that that very house that they had signed a petition in the entire block to get her moved out because she was a black single mom. Wow. Wow. I didn't know that. I just knew my best friend was Tom across the street, and we played wiffle ball every day. I didn't know the type of fighting she had to go through and struggles that she dealt with and dealing with the stuff. So I found this little lady, and I started thinking, God, I know in this moment I'm not just here to say hey to her and love on her or whatever else but there's something you want me to get from this moment. And I believe in these moments that I'm going to be able to relay that to you. So that's where we are today. And I said that, I'll, fl I'll finish that thought by saying, so Pastor Richard and Gail are such a great example to me because my family is fantastic. I love them, had great time with my nephews and, and, and little kids and, uh, you know, my sisters and all of that. But what I, what I realized is that there is nobody in that side of my family that has a successful marriage, none of them. And so watching Pastor Richard and Gail for now almost 30 years, watching them walk through the good and the bad times, yeah. Yeah, that's right. watching them go through stuff that you'll never know about, watching them deal with the heartaches, the hardships, the weight of carrying a ministry and carrying people's lives and really probably caring about you more than you'll ever really know, the burden that they carry, there's something to be said about them having a strong 41-year marriage. Amen. That doesn't go without being said. So I'm grateful that we've built this house on a team. There's a team of us. And so, again, I'm just kind of reintroducing myself to some of you because when you hear me speak, I feel like I'm speaking on behalf of this house, on behalf of our pastors but also with the, the great responsibility of speaking on behalf of heaven. So with that in mind, I want you to open up your spirits today and we're going to have a good time. Let's pray. Father, I feel you already in this room. Thank you for being faithful to us. Thank you for leading us and guiding us. Thank you for caring about us more than we can ever imagine. Thank you that in these moments, you are not just allowing us to hear words, but hopefully they are, they are, they are instructives that there are things that will help to lead us into victorious lifestyles. And we love you, and we bless you, 
And we invite you in this room again in Jesus' name. We pray and everybody said? Amen. So if you're with me, turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Ain't nobody turning, are you? How many people use a physical Bible? Anybody? Got a handful of you. You get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize. <laughs> the prize is you know the word. Amen. Um, but Romans chapter 5, verse 20, is kind of part of the foundational scripture that we're using this month. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the, uh, the theme is the sun still rises in Babylon. Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says this. So then the law was introduced into God's plan to bring the reality of human sinfulness out of hiding. And yet, wherever sin increased, there was more than enough of God's grace to triumph all the more. Somebody ought to say amen. Do you know that verse as where sin abound, there does grace so much more abound? I'm so grateful that we can start this whole concept out by, be by believing and knowing that no matter what the level and condition of sin is that we're experiencing or around, that God's grace is stronger than that sin. That's good news, and it's good news to me because just like me, just like you, I had to walk through this pandemic just like y'all have. And I realized that there are so many things that were happening in my mind. There were a lot of, um, a lot of things that I think were being pressed to the surface because when you've got that pressure, what's in there is going to rise up. There were a lot of moments where I had to reevaluate some of the ways that I think. There is a lot of stuff that's gone on in me during this time through this pandemic. I haven't preached since, I don't know, I think the end of last year, so it's been a while. And there's been a lot of workings, but I realize that through this time and through the season that we're in, it is so critical that we are flexible to do and to move and to go with what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. What his, his next directive is for us. There was a great quote that I heard, and it was by a philosopher. His name is Epictetus. Epictetus. And he said this, It is impossible for a person to begin to learn what he thinks he already knows. Isn't that good? I'm just going to let that sit for a hot second. It's impossible for a person to begin to learn what he thinks he already knows. And I realized through this time that no matter how long we do what we do, as me as a worship leader, somebody asked me just recently, maybe a week and a half ago, they asked me, do you still get nervous when you're leading worship? And I said, every single time. Every time. Before I walk up here, when, we're, when I'm up here, usually when I'm up here fidgeting with my computer and my iPad and stuff, I'm just working out my bugs. I'm working out the nerves because <laughs> I know that the clock's counting down and the dude's going to say and whatever the saying is. And then somebody's in my ear saying, hey, PL, we're about to start the service in 15 seconds, five, four, three. And we come on and bam, I need the Holy Spirit to lead me in those moments. And I'm nervous because I recognize that I don't know where you came in at this morning. You might all be strong believers who know God, who are enjoying the house of God, who have a good relationship with him. Or you may be that one person who is desperate for something to touch their lives or they're going to take a, a dark turn. 
You may be that one, and I don't know if that's you or if you're watching by way of live stream, if this is a moment where we can connect with you. I don't know what your scenario or your position is, but I'm desperate and I'm nervous. It's a good nervous energy because I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need you to show up and sing through us. I can pick the best song list in the world, but if the Holy Spirit doesn't breathe into it, it means nothing. So I've learned that I've got to keep learning. And I've got to stay open to whatever it is that he's speaking now because things shift so much in our lives. Now, keeping that in mind, let's look with me over at Genesis chapter 11, and that's where the bulk of the text is going to be today. Genesis chapter 11, and this has to do with Babylon. I'll read it through, and then I'll break it down verse by verse for you. But in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, it says, At one time the whole earth spoke the same language. And so it happened that as they moved out of the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled down. And they said to one another, come, let's make bricks and fire them well. And they used bricks for stone and tar for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches heaven. Let us make for ourselves ourselves famous so that we won't be scattered here and there across the earth. And verse 5 says, And God came down to look over the city and the tower that those people had built. And God took one look and said, One people, one language. Why? This is only a first step toward you going off the rails. <laughs> no telling what they'll come up with next. They'll stop at nothing. Come, we'll go down and garble their speech. This is God talking to his angels, heavenly hosts. We'll go down and garble their speech so that they won't understand each other. Then God scattered them from there all over the world. And they had to quit building the city. That's how it came to be called Babel. Because there, God turned their language into Babel. And from there, God scattered them all over the world. Now, I'm going to do a little bit of teaching this morning. I do feel kind of chill because I was on a plane for hours and kind of resting this week and didn't really have a whole lot of time, but I, I really felt like it's important that you understand there's a principle in the Bible, in biblical teachings, and the principle is this. It's something called the law of the first mention, okay? And basically what that means is the first time that you see anything in the Bible, whether it's the word praise or if it's about giving or it's about your health or whatever it is, the first time that you see something in the Bible is when the concept is then established from there. So whatever it means, pretty much every time you see it afterwards, it's been established in the very beginning when you first see it. So in this passage, we're talking about Babylon. The sun still rises in Babylon. I started looking up Babylon. I started going into the depths of what it means naturally, historically. What you will find is that Babylon itself, there are very, very few positive things that are said about Babylon. There's not very much good information that comes. But, well, there is actually a city called Babylon in upstate New York, I believe. So if you're watching from Babylon, you are the good thing that came out of Babylon. <laughs> There's something that came out of there. But by and large, the concept of Babylon is negative all the way through Scripture. And then what we find 
is that this is the interesting part. The story of Babylon, where God took the languages and he mixed them up and confused them so that they couldn't get themselves in any more trouble, that story is sandwiched right between two of the greatest stories of faith in the Bible. Now stay with me. If you're wondering what stories I'm talking about, before you have the story of the Tower of Babylon, you have the story of a man by the name of Moses. Not, excuse me, not Moses, <laughs> a man by the name of Noah. Noah. Right, Moses is the one who wrote the books is what I was thinking. But you have a man by the name of, Mo- of Noah. You know the story, right? Noah and the ark and that whole thing that happens there. What we find is that Noah was a man who had faith in the middle of impossible circumstances. He stood strong in the middle of a society and everything coming at him that would tell him to bow his knee and serve another God. He stood strong to the point that he built an ark that we all know about the ark, but he built an ark when there had never been a such thing as rain. It never rained before. And Noah built an ark. How many of you know in the middle of a dark society, <laughs> I'm out here building an ark and I've never seen rain before. That's a man of faith. So that's one of the stories. And then the story behind the story of Babylon is the story of the man of faith that we call the hero of the faith, Abraham. And I started thinking about Abraham and what it must have taken for him to walk out his scenario and the things that God had called him to do that seemed impossible. And I started thinking about the fact that I was born and raised in Sioux City, Iowa. If I asked most of you to open up a map without using Google and point to Sioux City, Iowa, and I'd give you $100 without using something, most of you could not point to that place on the map. And God, I'm not comparing myself to Abraham, though in some ways I feel like Abraham at times. Um, God told Abraham, I want you to leave everything that you've ever known, and I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. And he speaks to him and he says, get out away from your family, from your lands, from everything that was familiar to you, everything that was comfortable to you, everything that was safe to you. I want you to get away from all of that, and I'm going to send you a place to a place that I will show you. He didn't give him any other instructions other than just get away from where you were. And I thought about the fact that a 19-year-old kid got in a broke-down, beat-up, no AC, and for the love of God, no GPS having car. Ball tires with a big physical map sitting next to me with an AM, FM radio station with a little cassette that flipped over during my songs. And I drove a thousand miles from everything I'd ever known to a place that God would show me. And this is important to you. I'm getting to there for in a, in a moment. But 
getting out away from everything that I'd ever known and coming to this foreign land in a place with no relationships, no family, nothing to, to sink my teeth into, and just believing that what God was instructing me to do, if I would just obey, he would show me the way. Here's where this applies to you. Between Noah and Abraham, there are a bunch of people at the Tower of Babel who said, I am not going to obey the directive that God has given me. There were a bunch of people that said, it doesn't matter what God says to me or tells us to do. Because if you go back to the scripture, you're going to find that God told the, children, the people at the Tower of Babel to get away from their land as well. And they said, no, we're not going to get away from our land. We're going to dig our heels in and we're going to stay near everything that is familiar and comfortable to us at the expense of moving their lives forward. So for several days, I sat in this scenario thinking, God, not judging and not uh, condemning or criticizing people, but I just thought to myself, I know exactly why you made me get out of this environment. I know why you took me to a place that I didn't understand. I know why it was so critical for me to just say, God, I trust you. And I will obey you no matter how hard it hurts, no matter how confusing it is, no matter how insecure I might feel in the moment. God, I see why you needed me. You needed me to make a decision. Am I going to be like the children at the Tower of Babel who decided to stay when God told them to go? Or am I going to go and obey what he's spoken to me? So when I walk in this room on Sunday mornings and everything about our lives has changed, the way we see church, the way we're doing church, the way we have expectations for what the future is going to look like for our church, all the stuff that we see that's available to us when we build this new building, which is not a tower of Babel for us, it's going to be a monument to show the glory of God. Come on, somebody. It's going to be a place where God's name can be known. And lives can be affected and changed. But I just think about where are you at in your life? What decisions are you being presented? What places are you having to make choices that are difficult and say, I will obey in the face of all opposition, in the face of being unsure, in the face of whatever it takes? I will obey. What places are there in your lives? I realize that a huge part of what God is requiring us to stand for is the principles of the kingdom of God. Do you know that about a week and a half ago, I had a conversation with a 12-year-old, and this 12-year-old told me, they said, hey, we were talking about, I mean, I won't go specifically into it, but we were talking about something that is very clearly non-biblical. And this 12-year-old said to me, ah, why are you being so judgmental? It's just part of how the world is right now. 
a 12-year-old. So I snatched him up and, no, I didn't. I felt like, I'm like, what's wrong with you, child? Took my switch out and getting out. I felt like doing that. You're 12 years old. What are you talking about? What do you know? And they said to me, well, that's just part of the world right now. Why are you being so critical? Why are you being so non-inclusive? Literally the words that came out of a 12-year-old's mouth. Why are you being so non-inclusive? Why are you being bigoted? And I started thinking, oh, okay, this is the thing that God's saying you are going to have to know that you've got to stand in the middle of whatever the world's showing you or speaking to you or teaching your kids. Come on. That it's so important to stand for the principles of the things that you know. You kids who are in public school, we cover you. My God, we believe God for you. You teachers who are in these public arenas and you're teaching these kids and whatever their value systems are. But I realize it's little things like that that God is challenging us as a church. Are you going to stand firm and obey? Are you going to believe? Are you going to obey and walk out the process? Are you going to stay in an old mentality? Because you're being called bigoted. So everything that I'm walking out right now, everything, the future of my calling, the, the next season of my life, I've got now how many months? How many months till October 1st? Six months? Somebody count it back. Anybody? How many months? Five months? October 1st. I'm thinking about a big transition in my life. Anybody know what it is? Yeah, I'll be 40 plus 10. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it. And I'm thinking about the fact that the people at the, the Tower of Babel, part of the reason why they wanted to build that tower was so that they could make a name for themselves. And I'm thinking about all the stuff that we invest our time and our energy and our thoughts and our resources in. Is it wanting to make a name for ourselves or is it standing for righteousness and truth? Real simple, but it's challenging me. It's challenging me in the way that I deal with people. I had a come to Jesus meeting at, at my mom's home a few days ago and I was reflecting on some of the relationships and some of the energy that I put into people and circumstances that I didn't regret because I did it as unto God, but I realized, man, there's a better way to do some things. Amen. I realized that people will make their own decisions. I realized that we're going to lead you to water, but I can't make you drink. I realized I'm going to give you an atmosphere where the presence of God is every time you show up. So I realized, I realized that we're going to study and we're going to get the best word that we can for you and we're going to give you meat that you can eat of every time you walk in these doors. But my God, I realize that there's a way of walking this out that really comes down to are you going to be like Babylon 
Are you going to be like Noah and Abraham? Are you just going to obey what God says? So if you're challenged, like I am in this season and in these moments, and reflecting, God, as I'm in the next act of my life, I also had a, great, a really another another really excuse me great conversation with two of my grown nephews, and you may be watching, dude. What up, Chuck? And Rashad, Rashad. But it was just interesting to me, sitting at a table thinking about some of the stuff that they are now learning. One of them works in financing. One of them works with, you know, distressed juveniles. He's working in the system. And they're, they're shaping their mindsets in a lot of ways. And I'm going to tell you, and I told you while I was there with you, Shaping their mindsets around what's around them. And I'm going to challenge them and I challenge them and I challenge myself and I challenge you. If what I'm doing is not going to make an internal, eternal impact. <laughs> Let me say that right. I said it right. An internal, eternal impact. Then I'm going to have to rethink some of my priorities. I'm going to have to kind of adjust some of the things that I'm putting my energy and my resources and my time into. And here's the good news, church. At the end of the day, what we find is that there's always a remnant of people who are going to stand against darkness. We found scripturally that there is always a batch of people that will say, no matter what happens around me, I'm going to stand in the middle of this society, in this darkness. No matter what happens around me, the sun is still going to rise in Babylon because the sun lives inside of me. No matter what my circumstances are, I'm going to choose to walk out what I know to be true, man. And there's fruit in it. And there's life in it. And there's joy in it. And, and I'm more excited about the next 30 years than I was about the last 28 plus for me. Turning into 29 in a couple weeks. I'm more excited about the future of people who are walking in these doors and you don't know our stories. And you don't know what has built a foundation of strong marriages and principles that apply across the board. I'm excited about it because I know that we've got a remnant of people that are ready to stand for what's right. Am I in the right room today? Your generation... Your generation. Your generation. Carriers of the glory. 
carries of a righteous standard. Not swayed by the stuff that's around them. Your generation. You've been here basically your whole lives. And if one of you would have told me what that 12-year-old would have said, I'd have socked you. And your dad said, yep. Boy, everybody's doing it. What are you talking about? They're still right. They're still wrong. There's still decisions that you get to make based on knowing what the word of the Lord says for you. It's that simple. I mean, we make it, I think we make it harder. I'm almost done. But I think sometimes we make it harder than it has to be. When we were just, God said, go, Abraham went. Hey, God said, build an ark. Hey, Noah built an ark. God said, live for me strong. Sure, I will. God said, treat my wife right. Sure, I will. God said, invest my finances, invest my time, serve in the kingdom. Sure, I will. And see how easy that is? Yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. What do you want from me, God? Sir, yes, sir. That's what I'll do. Amen. Did you get something out of that this morning? I think I'm done. I'm just trying to fill the room out a little bit. You can clap your hands. Thank you, Jeanette. Come on up here. Give her a hand while she walks up here. I love Jesus. Hmm. Everybody who knows me knows what I'm doing right now, don't you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just go ahead and bow your heads if you would. Could you play the blessing for me? Thank you, Lord. We're going to be like... We're going to be like Noah. How much of my notes I got too, but we're going to be like Noah. We're going to be like Abraham. When you say yes we'll go when you say stand we'll stand when you said adjust your priorities we'll adjust them thank you for your spirit thank you for your presence today if you're in the room this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed I'm always aware that these are moments that we don't get back we got 52 Sundays a year And we want to make sure that you're being impacted by the word of the Lord. If you walked in the room today and you don't know who Jesus is, if you're watching by way of live stream and you've not taken a moment to say, I know you're asking me to come. I know you're asking me to move. I know you're asking me to join your walk in your way. But today... 
I choose to accept and to obey. Maybe for the first time, or maybe this is the hundredth time you've done it, and you want to recommit. You want to say, God, help me to obey. Help me to choose you today. If that's you, lift up your hands. I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you in the back. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just pray this together, everybody in the room. Father, thank you for helping me make decisions to move and to go where you say. That doesn't mean a physical place. That means a place in my heart. Thank you, God, for helping me to say yes to your directives in Jesus' name. And the last thing I want to pray for real quick is that I feel like there are people right now who are at a place where you've got some transitional decisions to make. And I don't know what that looks like in the natural, but I know that God knows, and so I'm going to go with what I know I felt the Holy Spirit tell me. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you today. Where are you at? Transitional, I see you. I see you. I see you. That may be work. That may be relationships. That may be financial moves. Keep your hands up if you will. We're going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that just like you gave Noah and Abraham the grace to say yes to your directive, I'm asking you now in these transitional moments, Lord, whether it's jobs, whether it's relationships, whether it's something that you want to do financially, physically, spiritually, these people who are asking you in this moment of transition, I'm asking you, God, to lead them clearly. Let them see and know exactly. Let there be no wavering. Let them not be unsure. Let them not be unclear. Let it not be ambiguous. Let it be just like as clear as hearing my voice right now. Thank you for clarity for them to make the right choices. Thank you. Boy, I feel that in the room. Lord, thank you for helping them to make the right decisions based on your word and your plan for them. And I release that over them now. And I thank you for who you are in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you got something, put your hands together for Jesus if you would. Come on, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.